Um, and his sermons are so incredible. Uh, I was so impressed with the one he did on the light and reflecting the light, and he used the flashlight, and um, I was blessed. And uh, you, you are very fortunate. You have a wonderful facility here, and a great Sunday school teacher. Mel does such a great job. Um, and I'm an unworthy servant, and um, I appreciate you being tolerant of me <laughs> and allowing me to come and share with you what God has laid on my heart. And um, so before we, uh, we start, I'd like to uh, have a little word of prayer. Oh, Father God, we come before you and we praise your holy name. We bow before you and worship you and only you, for you alone are worthy of our worship and praise. And Father, we ask that you would send your Holy Spirit to help us because uh, I know I'm in need of a lot of help. And I think we all are in need of help. We know that nothing of importance uh, can be said unless you permit us to say it. And certainly nothing will be heard uh, unless you open our hearts and permit us to hear it. So we just ask that you would um, let what you want heard and said um, be heard. And uh, we'll just thank you. And praise you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, what I wanted to share with you this morning is walking with God. And if you notice, um, it, it also says, uh, would you go back? And I want you to remind me, if I forget to address that, would you go back? Because I'm not going to say anything about that until the end. Uh, but remind me. Uh, at my age, uh, I have a tendency to forget <laughs> to forget things, and uh, it, it sometimes is quite frustrating because at home I have a huge screen for my computer, and I, I uh, can have huge font on the screen. So because I have macular degeneration, and uh, it, it helps me to see. But then I do my did my notes and. And last night I was looking over my notes and I found out it was really difficult for me to, to, to uh, read even my own notes. And even though I put them in as big a font as I can and still uh, keep it uh, a reasonable number of pages. So uh, if you'll, if you'll uh, forgive me, I'll uh, try to do the best I can. I want to thank and introduce to you uh, dear, dear friends of uh of Kathy and I, uh, Debbie and Dave Durr, they're seated in the back, and they came because they knew I was going to share. Why don't you stand up and let the people see you? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, we just we just love them so much. And, you know, I don't know how many of you have people in your life that you can sit and talk to about God's word and what God's doing in our lives and share our, our heartaches and our joys. But, but the buzzies can do that with the durs, and, and we are so grateful for them in our lives. I hope you all have somebody like that in your life. But let's see... Um, 
what we can do this morning. Uh, if, uh, if someone would read the scriptures, uh, or if all of you would read the scriptures as they appear, um, I'd appreciate it. Because then I know you're looking at it. <laughs> Did you ever wonder why there was that tree? And, and you know, I, I'm I'm a, a lawyer, and uh, and so words are, are very meaningful to me, and I I focus on words, and I want to know the meaning of the words, and 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 I want to know the subtle meanings of the words, that and and. We have to we have to know the difference between must and shall and can, uh, and so my reading speed when I became a lawyer got very slow because I'm always having to look for that distinctive word that conveys what is being said. And uh, and I, I when, when I read this uh, the first time I said, why did God put this tree there? Was he testing Adam and Eve? And I don't think he was testing Adam and Eve. I think he was protecting them. And I think that's what God's word does is protects us. Because there's a consequence to everything we do. Whether it's good or bad, um, there's, a, there's a, a, a consequence to it. And... I, I, I like to look at scripture and kind of in the if-then mode. And, and it, it says, God gave Adam and Eve a, a freedom of will. You, he said, you can eat all the trees, even, in, even including the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But he said, don't eat of that one. You can, but don't. He had one rule. Don't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But what happens? Satan, the father of lies, from the beginning he was a liar. He comes and he calls God a liar. He says, he says to Eve, uh, well, what did God tell you? And she knew, didn't she? She, she said, well, he, he told us not to eat of that tree. And, and, and he, he told us there was a consequence that we would die. And so, what did Satan say? He appealed to uh, he appealed to the lust of the eyes, and the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And that's what all sin does, by the way. It's based. There is no sin that isn't based on a lie. And uh, uh, he said, "Hey, look at look at how good that fruit is." And God doesn't want you to know as much as he does. And so if you want to be like God, you know, he, you won't die. He was lying to you. You won't die. Go ahead and eat it. And, and they were convinced. And that, that's what we have a tendency to do. And so they ate of it. And what happened? Well, did they drop dead? Did they die? 
Yeah, they died. They died. You know what the the, the what I like uh, as the definition of die is separation. And the moment they did that, they were separated spiritually from God. And now the consequence, eat of the eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, die. That's the consequence. And not only that, but there was a lot more consequence that they didn't know about. And they soon found out. And you know, one time I was sharing um, with, a, with an outreach breakfast group in Pennsylvania. This was many years ago. And I believe what I got to share with them came from the Lord. I can't prove it, but I believe that. And... Um, the Lord gave me a, a, a scale, and it was triangular in shape. And at the top, you can see, is the word good. But outside the triangle, and at the bottom, but inside the triangle, is evil. And I looked at that as a scale, and people establish themselves in there somewhere. And I was giving this example to this group and I said, you know, one person comes along and he says, well, you know, a woman, she can, she can abort her unborn baby just because she wants to. She doesn't need a reason. It's her baby. It's her body. And, and by the way, it's not her body. It's the body of another human being. But, you know, this person says, hey, you know, she can do whatever she wants and it's her choice. And by the way, we're all pro-choice, meaning we do what we choose to do, but we're not all pro-life. And I'm pro-life. I won't even I won't even argue with somebody about abortion. It's murder. And you can go into many churches, and I've heard one out of three or one out of four have had an abortion, or will. Christians. But in any event, I, I was using this example because I thought this group would agree that that's evil. Well, and this person, they, 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 have you noticed that they can look down and see more people worse than they are? Well, another guy comes in and he says, hey, um, uh, no, no, that's not, that's bad, that's evil. Um, what, what, um, but if, if you have, you know, three or four kids and, and you don't have much income and, and it's going to really disrupt your life and your lifestyle, then you can get an abortion. And then, then, then the, the third person comes in, maybe a little higher in his scale. He says, no, 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 that's, that's bad too. But if the doctor says that the that the child maybe have Down syndrome. But by the way, there's some really wonderful people that will just steal your heart that have Down syndrome. He says, uh, you, you know, you, you, you can't, you two below me, can't, you're wrong, but you're, you're evil. But I'm not because... The only way I think you can get an abortion is if uh, well, the doctor tells you that the child is going to have Down syndrome or, 
or be born without an arm. By the way, have you ever heard of a guy by the name of... Um, oh, he has no arms and legs. Somebody remember his name? I, Vucic or something like that. It's, a, um, it's difficult to pronounce. And he has no arms and no legs. And he'll steal your heart in a second. And, and I, I've, I've watched on YouTube many times um, his speaking engagements. And he's spoken all over the world. And if he'd have been aborted, God would have lost a, 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 a spokesman. A spokesman. And as soon as he starts talking, you, you don't even realize that he doesn't have any arms and legs. But anyhow, this, this person, you know, they say, and they can look down and see more people worse than, he, than he is. So it makes them feel pretty good. But what have they all agreed on? You can get an abortion. But what does God say? You see, what they have done is they've, they've come into the area of, of morals or standards or ethics. We call it our morals. God is not moral. God is righteous. And you know, morals are, are, are deceptive deceptive thing because um, the morals in this country are different than the morals in Switzerland, by the way. And they're different than the, than the morals in Erie and Jaira. And I remember speaking with a gentleman, his name's uh, uh, Ron Richardson. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie um, Peace Child or read the book Peace Child. But Mr. Richardson, wonderful linguist, he, he, he took his wife and newborn son and went to, I think it was Erie and Jaira, and, and to, to minister to peoples there that were actually killing off their, their race because their, their custom was, their morals were, if that, if that guy from that tribe offends you somehow, you go kill him. And then that guy, he comes over to your tribe and kills you. And it was back and forth, back and forth, killing, killing, killing. And they were wiping themselves out. And Richardson, he had to learn the language on his own, and he learned, he learned their language. And when he got to where he could articulate um, uh, the scriptures in their language, he began telling them about Jesus. And he told them about how Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss. And those people cheered for Judas because in their culture, the best story you could tell was some ancestor who was clever and convinced the enemy person that everything was forgiven, everything was fine, you're, you're a good guy, come and be with us. And, 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 and this person came to their tribe and they, they treated him well and everything, but he had his his uh, weapons. And then, uh, then he, they invited him a second time to come and he came and, and, and then the third time and he came and he, and he began to feel at ease. And then he said, well, you come and sup with us. And they, their buildings were on, on elevated, high elevated on uh, 
poles of, of some kind and and their man house or whatever they call it, uh, they invited him up there to, to sup with them. And and uh, they said, you know, it's awkward. You can leave your weapons out here and climb the ladder. And so he did because he felt it comfortable and got up there and they gave him some food and that. And then they took their weapons that were hidden up in there and they walked over to him and they said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to kill you. And they killed the guy. And then they shrunk his head. And and the, the person who... Uh, uh, facilitated this, who planned this all out, got to use that man's skull as a pillow. And that story was, was like talking about uh, Joe Namath uh, throwing a touchdown pass. You know, wow, look at me, and I wished he was my grandpa, you know, and he was clever. He, Richard says, oh, how do I get through to these people? And he found out that they had a custom and the custom was that if a chief of the, their tribe had a child and gave that child to the chief of the other tribe, as long as that child lived, there could be no ought between those two tribes. And the worst thing you could do would be to violate that rule. That was absolutely the worst thing you could do. So nobody would violate that. And as long as that baby lived, and the, the child was called the peace child. Richard said, how do I get through to these people? And he realized that Jesus was the peace child who never dies. And when he convinced them of that, the whole tribe got saved. The whole tribe got because, you see, but their morals were, hey, it's perfectly fine to kill those other people. And, and I, you know, we can look at this country and, and see what our morals are. By the way, living together without the benefit of marriage is considered moral by the youth. I don't, remember, I don't know how many of you saw the chart that last week <clears throat> that I put up. But depending on your age... The, the more you thought it was morally acceptable to do things that, for instance, my generation would think was, was totally unacceptable. And I, I grew up Catholic, and, I, and, and I'm, I'm glad of that because uh, I was taught spiritual things, and, and I don't agree with some of the things they teach, but that's okay. Uh, I still got a, a, a good teaching of, of uh, spiritual uh, principles. And, and for, for me to fornicate would send me right to hell. And so <laughs> I, didn't want to, I, I knew I didn't want to go to hell. So I was, I was glad. But... but in, in 1968, the Catholic Church awarded about 300 dissolutions of marriage. And um, in order to, to ha- get a dissolution awarded, you, you, uh, uh, and if you didn't, you could be excommunicated. So, so in order to do that, though, you had to prove that there was no marriage in the first place. For instance... 
your spouse was already married and didn't tell you about it and was never divorced. Then, then there is no marriage. And, or the marriage was never consummated and the person left. And, so there's no marriage. Uh, or you got uh, somebody drunk and married them while they were drunk and they couldn't make a really a, a, an informed decision. And so that was no marriage at all. And they would award uh, dissolution. In 1968, there were about 300 in the entire United States. In 1988, guess how many there were? 68,000. What happened? What happened? You know what? Our morals changed. Our standards changed. Our ethics changed. But God doesn't want us in there. He didn't want us there. What did God want? He wanted our obedience. He didn't want our morals. He doesn't care about our morals. He wants obedience. Ephesians 4.1 Walking with God. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation of wherewith ye are called. I, I, I um, kind of went through and looked, at, looked up the Greek uh, for that. And by the way, this is an interesting thing to me. In the Old Testament days, God was very concerned about the conduct of his people. And they had all kinds of rules. And you, you couldn't pick a tassel of wheat on the Sabbath. And, and if, you, if you helped somebody uh, whose ox had fallen into a ditch on the Sabbath, you were a sinner. And they had all kinds of rules and regulations. But God cared about their conduct. Then we jump over to the New Testament. There's a huge change. Did God care about our conduct? Nope. And I really surprise people with this, and this is my opinion, <laughs> and you can agree with me or not. God bless you, whichever way you go. God doesn't care about your conduct. Why? He cares about your condition. Your conduct sucks, it's terrible. But he cares about your condition. Because if you don't know Christ as Lord of your life, if you've not been born again, you're what? Dead. What difference does it make what you do? And you know, before I was saved, before I came to know Jesus as a personal Savior, by the way, I believed in Jesus. I believed he was God. I believed he died on the cross for my sin, rose again from the dead, I believed all that and was unsaved. Why? It was up here. If you look at, at John 3.16, For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever should, and the, your Bible will say believe or believeth in him. I've marked that out and I've put down received. Because the Greek word is pestiuos, by the way, and it, and it means to receive, trust in, or rely on, not mentally agree. 
And, and I heard a, a demonstration about a, a, a story about a tightrope walker who walked across a canyon on a, on a cable. And somebody in the crowd said to his manager, hey, do you believe he could do that with somebody on his shoulders? And he said, yeah, I've seen him do it. He said, okay, get on his shoulders. <laughs> now we'll find out if he believes. Because belief requires for yourself. You have to receive it, trust in it, rely on it personally. Not mentally agree that it can be done, but to do it. And by the way, it's the verb form of the word pistis, which means faith. It, I, th- those are fascinating things to me. So, so here we are. And God doesn't care about your religion either. He, he doesn't say don't have religion, he, but that's not going to get you in. I don't care what you are. I don't care if you're a Baptist or Episcopalian or a Catholic or a Methodist or whatever you are. If you don't have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, personally, you're dead. And I don't care where you go to church. And if you sing in the choir here, and I, I, I love the singing. By the way, um, I would change the first one we sang. Because Jesus is not better than life. He is life. And, and that, that struck me as we were singing that. By the way, sometimes we have a hymn and, and um, it says, And I give all to Jesus. And I will not sing that. Because I know I don't. You know what I sing? I want to. I change the words. I want to give all. One of, one of the songs we sang when, when I was at uh, um, Cross Point Church was, uh, And I bow down and worship the Lord. I bow down and I worship the Lord. Lord said, you didn't bow down. Oh, I said, oh, Lord, don't make me do that. Because I know what those people are going to think. He said, what do you care what they think? If you're going to sing it, do it. And so when I sing that, I bow. I don't want people to think badly of me, but I'm not going to sing something I won't do. Now, once... We come to know Jesus. Does he care about our conduct? Absolutely. Absolutely. To to me, that's really interesting. Cares about our conduct? Christ comes, doesn't care about our conduct. Cares about our condition. Receive Christ, cares about our conduct. Because why? Why? We bring dishonor to Jesus when we go around acting like some heathen. When our testimony stinks. When we're not walking with the Lord. And that's an interesting phrase, walking with, with the Lord. And, and, you know, I found out it, it appears many times in Scripture. 
I, I pulled up the 119th Psalm. I was going to read it to you. <laughs> it's 10 pages on my, on my I, I printed it out. It's the whole thing's 10 pages long. But I want to tell you, read it. There, you're going to read about somebody who wants to walk with God. Walk with God. And you know, I, uh, I kind of um, checked some, some, some uh, Greek words um, and some, um, well, I like to do that. I, I like to, to look up in the Greek and I rely on those translators uh, to do a good job because I certainly don't, can't speak Greek and haven't studied Greek. I know many pastors have, and that and that's great because. But anyhow, um, and I like to see the the meaning of those words. And uh, he, he says, uh, "I therefore, whenever you see the word therefore, you need to ask what it's there for, because that meant something went before it." It's a conclusion. The presence, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy. Now, the word "walk," what does it? What does it mean? What's the Greek word really mean? Um, we're, we're not talking about you know walking along hand in hand. What are we talking about? It, it really means to conduct or regulate the Greek word. At least that's what the scholars tell me. Um, and and that, that, that's, to me, that makes it more clear. Um, that, you are, that you are worthy of the, of the uh, vocation. The vocation, it really means a calling. And so uh, I, I, kind of, I kind of made a literal application. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, admonish or exhort you to conduct yourselves regulating your life in a manner worthy of of the calling by which you have been called. You, you know, the, Ephesians was written what back in the 60, 63 A.D., some, somewhere in, in, in that time. And Paul was saying, look, you, you've, you've, been, you've been blessed. You've been given doctrine. And you need to know where you are doctrinally that you can conduct your life according to that doctrine. The first, the first three chapters um, really talk about our position in Christ and the next three are responsibilities to fulfill that, that position in, in Christ. I was I was doing a um, kind of a 
summary, uh, an outline of Isaiah one time. And I was in the first chapter, and I read this. Come now, and let us reason together, says the Lord. And I love that, because I, I love to reason. I, I'm, I, I have a hard time with authority. <laughs> in fact, one time I got in the car, and uh, the Lord said, put on your, your seatbelt. I said, oh, I hate seatbelt. The Lord said, you've got a problem with authority. Put on your seatbelt. You know, I cannot get in the car without putting my seatbelt on. Because the Lord put his finger on it. You've got a problem with authority. And I do. I'm always, I'm always questioning the authority. It's got to make sense to me. And um, I can get pretty rebellious at times. <laughs> oh, who said that amen? <laughs> and, and, and I like that. I beseech you. I beseech you. That's a, to me, that's a gentle term. And, and it's really kind of, it really means exhort. Um, but as I was reading those scriptures, verse 19 really hit me. And, and I've emphasized some words there. It says, consent and obey. I said, why does it say consent and obey? Why doesn't it just say obey? And the Lord spoke to my heart about that and said, look, you know, your dad told you to mow the lawn. You obeyed him. You mowed the lawn. But <laughs> whining, complaining, why do I have to do it? Why didn't you make your brother, my brother do it? He, you know, he doesn't do any, half as much as I do. And anyhow, I want to go play with my friends, and we were going to play some basketball. And, and, and you know, you could hire somebody to do it and do it better than I would. And blah, blah, and, you know, my mother said I had a, uh, a bladder behind my eyes because I cried easy. <laughs> Even a judge one time told me I was arguing for my client, and she said, all right, all right, just don't whine. Because <laughs> I was a whiner. But then the Lord said, you know what? Why does your father want you to mow the lawn? You know, at first blush, I said, well, because the lawn needs mowed. <laughs> and he doesn't want to do it. Mm-mm. He wanted me to be a part of the family. He wanted me to take pride in my family and the appearance of our property. He wanted me to be in fellowship with the family, to think for the family, to be concerned about my family, and to have a work ethic. And to be, and, and, and so why does it say consent? Because that's what God wants. He, yes, he wants our obedience, but he wants our consent because we understand that it's out of love of us that he wants us to do those things. It's out of love. I told you I like if and then. It's amazing. It says, if you consent and obey, 
then what? You'll get the best of the land consequence. Uh, If you rebel and refuse, what happens? You're devoured. And you know, God's word is very clear. You know, um, I was talking to you. Associate pastor, when I had one last week, I think it was, and and I said I'm, I'm I kind of have a hard time with theologians. I, I, I kind of surprised him. I saw him react to that. That's okay. Uh, and what I mean is this, you know, uh, we can we can we can um, argue about you know what this. Uh, whether or not Jesus drank alcohol, and you know, or what what color of carpet should be in the church, or whether there should be pews or chairs, and 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 churches are destroyed over those kind of things, and and it, people say, wow. in fact, at when I was at uh, Chapel Hill. Um, there was a big, big deal about who was going to be the next pastor. And one group wanted the uh, leaving pastor's son-in-law to be the pastor. And the other group wanted somebody else. And, And it was causing a real problem. And and I, I I had been praying, Lord, you've given me an opportunity to speak all over the world, but never at my church. And the Lord said to me, You haven't been a problem all over the world. You've been a problem in your church. I said, Lord, I didn't take sides. He said, Yes, you did. I said, No, I didn't. He said, Yes, you did. I say, I, I'll even argue with God. <laughs> He said, by the very way you asked the question, you let everybody know where you stood. Just by your tone. And you know, God monitors our tone. And I said, oh God, forgive me. Two weeks later, I was asked to to speak at my church. And I'm up in my... Uh, I'm, I'm in my office in the house and, and I'm, I'm studying and I'm, I'm pulling up. I, I wanted to do something on the Holy Spirit and I had every verse that mentions the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, Spirit, and it was a lot. And I'm going down through that, calling it. Uh, look, and I found where Stephen um, sa- said, you know, uh, these stiff-necked people I said, ah, I'm going to use that. He said, no, you're not. He said, furthermore, you need to go upstairs and get right with your wife because we had had an argument. And by the way, anytime I get a chance to do this, the, the enemy tries everything he can to disrupt everything. And I'll tell you the truth, I was really nervous because... My eyesight is bad. I have macular degeneration, and, and I can't hardly read my notes. I, you know, I use the computer and a big, big print on the computer, and but and I and my notes here are in 18 point font, and, and but I, it's very difficult for me to read them. 
I only see parts of a word. But um, I said, he said, you're going to get upstairs. You're going to go upstairs and get right with your wife. Oh, up, up the steps. I go, I see. She was just going to sleep. I remember it was 1030. She was just going to sleep. And I said, honey, I got to ask you to forgive me. And she cried. And I went back downstairs. And boy, things were coming. And I was able to get get through that. And that Sunday morning, I told the congregation about it. And I said, I have to ask you all to forgive me. For any offense that I may have caused. And at the end, I asked for those who had, who, who, who wanted to, Take the step of getting rid of bitterness and, and, and forgiving those in their lives that uh, they have ought against and so on. To come forward and every elder, elder came forward. And after service, one of the guys came up to me and said, Paul, i got to ask you to forgive me. I said, what for? He said, I don't want to tell you. <laughs> I said, I forgive you. I, I didn't even know what it was that, that he... But you know what? It's your choice. What's your if going to be? Because I'm going to tell you, you're going to get the then. Jeremiah, I love Jeremiah. Jeremiah was called while he was in the womb. And, and he, I believe that he was, he began uh, his uh, prophetic ministry as a 13-year-old. Maybe pastor can tell me. I think he was very, very young. And he was never listened to. In fact, they put him in prison and they were going to kill him. And they never listened to him. But would somebody read this, please? Thank you. What do we say today? Born again, born again, born again. But what do we do? Do we do we do the the ifs and thens? He says, truly amend your ways and your deeds. Consent and obey. (laughs) And you will dwell in peace. And what do we have in this country? Shedding of innocent blood. I heard a statistic that in an eight-year period, 320 million 
babies were killed in the womb. That's the entire population of the United States. Now that's worldwide, I'm talking. In this country, you could, you could uh, populate 27 states with the abortions that have taken place in this country. And you know what? A Christians sit on their hind ends and do nothing. God forgive us. God forgive us. Do you know we wouldn't have the problem if Christians would have stood up for Jesus? We, we argue about the stupidest things I can believe. Um, we ha- now we have this um, LGBN or whatever it is. We, 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 don't, we don't know the difference between sex and gender. You know, gender is grammatical. Sex is what, you, what your DNA predicts. And, and we call a ship she, but that, that doesn't make it a woman. I heard about a professor who, who, who um, uh, was having, his wife had just had a male child, and somebody asked him, well, how are you going to raise him? Uh, you know, are you going to raise him as a boy? He said, well, I'm going to let him choose. I mean, where have we gone? You know, I, I, um, I, Levi Strauss Company decided they would not any longer fund the Boy Scouts because the Boy Scouts didn't want a homosexual leaders. So... And, you know, they said, we, we, we support everybody, and if you don't uh, allow them to be leaders, we're not going to support you. So I wrote them a letter. And I said, I'm the, um, I'm the president of Pedophiles of America, and um, I would like some donations because we accept everybody, including pedophiles. And I never got a response. <laughs> Can you imagine? Where have we gone? Trust in the Lord. We all know this, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. And He will make your paths straight. Walking with God. We trust Him our paths are straight. We don't. We got a mess. You know, I talk. I, I gave a, a, a talk one time about. Um, I call it uh, um, Humpty Dumpty. Scrambled eggs is what I call them. And I started out with Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. And Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. And I said, you know what? We're all a bunch of Humpty Dumpties because we scramble our eggs and don't know how to unscramble them. But he does. He's the only one that can unscramble our eggs. Malachi, for I hate divorce, saith the Lord. By the way, it says, 
So, so um, take heed to your spirit that you do not deal treacherously. Now, I know I'm talking to people that are divorced. Some, and, you, and there's no church you can go into that half the people aren't divorced. And God can straighten all that out. But what happens is they, they divvy up property and they divvy up responsibilities on, for the kids and the kids spend this time in this house and this time in that house and the kids don't know whose daddy they have to answer to. And they don't know who's the authority over them and they get all messed up. And, and uh, uh, we wonder what's happening. But you know what? I'm more, I was kind of reluctant <laughs> to share this. But I had to go to a young lady and ask her to forgive me. She said, what for? I knew you were married. I said, because what we did hurt you, hurt me, and hurt my wife. Oh, she said, you, you, you told me you were married. You told me you loved your wife and that you would, under no circumstance, divorce her. And by the way, this is pre-salvation. <laughs> and I didn't think God cared what I did. I certainly wasn't walking with him. And I told her why. I said, you know what? I'm, a, I'm born again. I have a personal relationship with my Lord and Savior. Oh, she said, I had enough religion. By the way, she had had a lot because she had left the convent. And I said, please, would you forgive me? She said, all right, I forgive you. That was it. Gone. Done. One day I was... I was uh, we, the marijuana came up. I said to Fred, Fred Jennings, who led me to the Lord, I said, well, you know what? God made it. <laughs> it it's no big deal. Nobody gets angry. Everybody has a good time. Blah, 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 blah. He said, he didn't argue with me. He said, be not drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. He was quoting Ephesians 5.18. I didn't say anything. Sometime later, I'm at a Bible study, and it was for young people, and and uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm there. Just I was going to every Bible study I could find because I had owned a Bible my whole life and never read it. And I started reading it when I got saved. And what? A, let me tell you, if you're not reading your Word, it's alive, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow. And listen to this, it's the discerner of the thoughts and intents of your heart. You're going to be exposed. But he's teaching you the truth, and the truth will do what? Set you free. And we have so many people that are, that are anything but free. But anyhow, I'm at this Bible study, and these kids are... Uh, they're, they're in their 20s, their early 20s and maybe te- or late teens. 
And uh, there was a couch there, and it, there were, it was full of kids, and I could, didn't have a place to sit down. So I was kind of standing in front of them, talking with them. And marijuana came up. I said, you know what? That stuff's right out of the pit of hell. I said, because when you're high on pot, you're a putty in the devil's hands. I turned around. Fred's standing behind me with this big smile on his face. And I went home, and I threw away the bong, and I threw away the stash, and I threw away the roach clips, and I threw away the roller, and that was it. Done. Be not drunk, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to be filled. I love Psalm 51. Because here's, here's David. He's, he sinned with Bathsheba. And he's very repentant. Because how, how did he happen to become repentant? Anybody know? Somebody told him. <laughs> he said, you know what? We got a problem. David said, what's the problem? He said, we got somebody who uh, did thus and so. He said, that person ought to be killed. He said, thou art the man. I remember, and this was when I was saved, an old friend that I thought very highly of, and I wanted her to meet the Lord. And I got her to meet me out at Monroe Falls Park. And as I was going into the park, coming out of the park, was my partner, my associate's wife, with her class. She had taken her class to the park. I, I... I'm there to, because I want to share Christ with this lady. <clears throat> I get back to the office and my associate says, there is a God, isn't there, Paul? He exposed me. I had to repent. Now, I, I didn't do anything with her. But my motives were bad. And I had to repent of that. You know, this is a tough one. <laughs> I don't know if you've read Galatians. Um, but it, it sets out, uh, a, you know, a lot of stuff. Impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, uh, on and on and on. And carousing and things like these. Immorality. You know, and you start, you start looking at and then you start searching your heart. And you know what I pray? I say, oh Lord, search my heart. Reveal every wicked way in me. Because I can hide it and not knowing I'm hiding it. Pride's a terrible thing. And, and I, I want God to reveal those things to me and clean out those hearts because I want to be a man useful in the Master's hands. I like the verse 25. 
If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Don't become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. Second Timothy. Um, I've, I've highlighted that useful to the master because... And it says in, in, a, in a house, and, and I, I interpret this as being, these are all saved people, the, the, wooden, the wooden and the gold silver. They're all saved people, but some are, are not walking with God. And yes, uh, but, we, but when we do, then we can be useful in the Lord's hands. In fact, I did a, a thing called uh, on uh, useful in the master's hands. Verse 24. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome. You know what? I can I couldn't if 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 a pastor asked me to be an elder, I would turn it down. You know why? I'm pugnacious. I can be quarrelsome. And I would have to have victory over that before I would ever do it. Because why? Scripture says, if you want to be an elder, don't be pugnacious. But I know I am. I struggle with that. I'll argue about anything. Which drives my wife crazy, <laughs> but I, I I don't I don't want to be, but I know that I am. But you know, when we do the right thing, I, I like uh, uh, again verse twenty six because it says then many may come to the Lord. Escape the, the snares of the devil. If if you're not walking with God, you, your testimony is gonna is not gonna win anybody. And I, that's why I love communion Sunday. And what, one of the things I liked about the Catholic Church was they had communion all the time. We have it once a month. <laughs> but you know what it says. If I don't judge myself rightly, I'm eating and drinking condemnation. And so what I do when I know it's Communion Sunday, I get on my knees and say, Oh, Lord, search my heart. Reveal every wicked way in me because I don't want to judge myself wrongly. And I want to be right with you. And I want to come before your altar with clean hands. And I know it's easy to dirty my hands. I, I, we're all familiar with these scriptures. That, you know, it says that, 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 that the time's going to come when they're not going to have, they're not going to listen to sound doctrine anymore. As a matter of fact, a lot of places not even preached anymore. 
because we have itching ears wanting to hear what we want to hear. Wanting to hear what we want to do is okay. The wise person will pay attention. And then he says, I love this. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his, uh, his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great um, patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But you know what? If there's a directive there, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. You know, you know how much clearer can it get? How much clearer can it get? Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Be ready. Be able to share your testimony. I can, I, 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 I've done it so many times that I can, I can do it in a minute or I can do it in an hour. If you, if you only give me a minute, I say, you know what? I was a religious, religious guy going to hell thinking he was okay until I met the Lord Jesus personally and he came into my heart and took control of my life. And I passed out of death into life. A new creature. That's a testimony. It didn't take me a minute. <laughs> I uh, don't want to take up anymore. Oh, oh, dear. Can you go back? Okay. Conclusion. How is your walk with God? Do you even have one? If so, are you sensitive to the Spirit's leading or not so much? God knows and so do you. Walk with Him. Walk with Him. Because the consequences are wonderful. They're wonderful. And you know, I did remember to go back and tell you about, would you go back? And I want to tell you this story and then I'm done. We were coming from Canada and I was a young boy. And we had been on a fishing trip. My dad was quite a fisherman and he loved it. We went to Canada every year. And we were on our way back, and we stopped to get gas, and uh, we were still in Canada. And he got he got the gas, and we left the, the service station, and we're driving along. And my dad said, "Oh, oh I got to go back," because he looked down in the console of the car, and he he noticed that the gas station attendant had given him change for a twenty, and he had only given him a ten. And he turned around and drove back. I don't know, 15 minutes or so. Takes an hour, eventually, or a half hour at least out of our time, our travel time. Turned around, and, and my dad at that time was unsaved. I had the privilege of sharing Christ with my dad, who was the best man I've ever met, but was headed for hell because uh, didn't have a personal relationship. But he was a good man. But that taught me a lesson. I want to ask you, would you go back? Because I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have gone back. 
I hope I would today. But walk after him. And walk with him. I just uh, can only say amen and amen.